Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast, and this is the last episode of the podcast in 2022. Next time I record, it's going to be 2023, a whole new year, and we'll be one step closer to the NFL playoffs. We're getting really damn close, and I'm really excited, really excited about playoffs, obviously. I mean, I always see the first two weeks of playoffs to really be the best weeks of football. I do. Because you're seeing a lot of football, but you're also not seeing any bad football. Or for the most part, you're not seeing bad football. For the most part, all the teams that make the playoffs are good. Maybe a team or two will slip in that shouldn't. But those are the teams that get embarrassed in round one. It's very rare for a team that isn't all that good to make it to round two. Really excited for playoffs to start up, and we had a pretty interesting week of football here. As the playoff picture becomes clearer and clearer, more teams are getting eliminated, more teams are locking up a spot, and there's still a decent amount of teams fighting for a spot that we're not that sure where they're going to be. Are they going to be in the playoffs or are they going to be out? It's really interesting to see this all play out. And of course, Christmas, we had three games on Christmas and then a lot of games on Christmas Eve. It was a great week of football. Truly a great week. Not as good as last week, but it was still a damn good week. Let's just jump right into it with the not-so-good Thursday night game between the Jets and Jaguars. What's my takeaway from this game? I feel like it's obvious. I feel like everyone has the same takeaway here. Zach Wilson's career as a New York Jet seems to be over, okay? I'll be the first person to say I was wrong about Zach Wilson, or I wouldn't even say that, but I had a decently, I had decently high expectations for Zach Wilson. So did a lot of other people. There's a reason he went number two overall, but he hasn't lived up to those expectations. I thought that it would take longer for, you know, him to get some playing time. I thought that he would have more time on the bench to reach that ceiling, But they kind of threw him in right away, and because of that, and multiple other things, a lot of it being his fault, he's now getting benched for Chris Strievler. He's not even a top three quarterback on his team. That is very bad. You're the number two overall pick. I get it that you were a very raw prospect, but it's your second year, not your first game. You shouldn't be this bad. He is really, really bad. That's no secret. And. I know how much Salah is going to say, oh, you know, we still have expectations for him in our future. Listen, I I believe that after he got benched for Mike White, sure. But now that he's getting benched for Chris Strievler, I don't know if they have any plans for him in the future. I think that they're just going to trade him or move on from him somehow. I I don't think they want him there anymore. At this point, I can only imagine he becomes a locker room distraction. I mean, Zach Wilson might have a good career on some other team if he has some time behind a very good veteran quarterback, but he won't have a good career with the Jets. I think that ship has sailed. It's too late now for you to be like, okay, you know what? We're gonna just going to leave you on the bench because now he's seen too much playing time for you to do that. At least that's how I see it. I think the only way he's going to have a successful career is with a brand new start. I think the Jets know that, too. I do. I think Mike White is their quarterback for the rest of the year because he's coming back from injury now. Zach Wilson's career as a New York Jet, from my perspective and a lot of other people's perspective, it's over. And with how poorly he played against the Jaguars and really throughout the year, I don't know how you could argue that he it shouldn't be over, really. Let's talk about another quarterback that's playing very poorly despite high expectations. Deshaun Watson. I thought that he was just having a couple bad weeks because it's, you know, it's been a long time since he played football. But, man, he I don't think he's going to be able to recover until next year. And that's the takeaway from this game. I think Deshaun Watson's a great quarterback, absurdly talented, but at the moment he isn't playing good football. 
And I'm not saying to bench him for Jacoby Brissett, even though Jacoby Brissett outplayed him, outperformed him. The Browns offense looked better with him at quarterback. But it's not like they have much on the line. There's no reason for them to care much about winning. Why ruin your quarterback's, you know, mentality? Why make him think that the team has less confidence in him than they do? Right? There's no reason to do that. Even though it would lead to them winning more games and being a more successful team in the moment, long term it doesn't make sense. And that's what it's about right now for the Browns and for Deshaun Watson at the moment. Try and do what you can for the future of his career, not the right now. He's playing bad, and I'm not expecting him to pick it up. But just try and give fans a reason to be confident in him. Try and be or try and make him look as good as possible, right? Don't bench him. Just maximize what you got for now, and then next year we're going to see the fruits of this. Next year is going to be the year where everyone's like, oh, yeah, Deshaun Watson is still a very good quarterback. This year, no one should be overreacting to how he's playing right now, okay? I thought he would be able to get the rust off around now, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, but that's not happening. Oh, well. Just expect it. Don't expect the Deshaun Watson that we saw in Houston until next year. That's my takeaway. I don't expect Deshaun Watson to return to the quarterback he once was, at least during the season. Now, how about a positive takeaway? It's about time. The Chiefs defense had a good performance again. They've been looking lackluster the past couple of weeks, but against Seattle, it was kind of a get-right game for them. They looked pretty good. Now, it was against the Seahawks, who aren't a great team, but Let's give them their credit. Nick Bolton was sideline to sideline, and he's been good all year, even during the Chiefs' offenses or Chiefs' defenses' struggles. Legarius Need, they just had him on DK Metcalf all game, and he was able to compete. You know, Jarius Need, he is a talented player, very athletic, pretty big. So, yeah, he did a good job stopping DK Metcalf from having an amazing game. The pass rush, you know, George Karlaftis had a sack. Chris Jones had a sack. They did a good job against a Seahawks offensive line that isn't bad. The Chiefs, if the Chiefs defense can play like this during the playoffs, I'm pretty confident in them because the offense can make up for the defense not being able to make plays, you know. If they allow 27 points every game in the playoffs, I think the Chiefs are going to be happy with that. I think Andy Reid is going to be happy with that. Because this offense that Mahomes is leading, I I mean, it's electric. It's electric. And no one's expecting the defense to win them games, okay? If the defense against, you know, some of the better offenses in the league, like the AFC playoffs will show, If the defense can just allow 27, which is above an average amount of points, but if they could hold like the Bills and the Bengals to 27 points, the Chiefs should be perfectly fine. Against Seattle, they only allowed 10. That was great. But the problem is in the AFC playoffs, you're going to see better offenses than that. But still, I really like what this Chiefs defense is doing, at least what they showed during this game. The Chiefs offense is good enough to win them games. As long as the defense can just have consistent, all right performances, they're going to be perfectly fine. Now let's talk about the Ravens, right? They played against an Atlanta team that has been pesky. I feel like that's the perfect word to describe them. They're a pesky team. You can't underestimate them too much. They'll bite you in your ass. They'll keep games close. They'll keep them. They'll keep them tight. And they have a good interior offensive line. So they've been able to run the ball pretty well, whether the quarterback's running it or the running back. They've been doing a good job running it. Maybe it's Mariota running it. Maybe it's Desmond Ritter running it. Maybe it's Cordero Patterson running it. Maybe it's Tyler Algier. They've been doing a good job running the ball, though. The Ravens run defense. Hasn't been a great unit, and I expect the Atlanta to win the game because of that. But they showed up today. They sure as hell did. 
they shut down a solid Atlanta rushing attack. Now, I want to see more from the Ravens' offense than I've seen recently, but in all fairness, their starting quarterback has been out. I don't know when Lamar's coming back, though. He might come back this week, but as of right now, he's still marked as questionable. They need Lamar Jackson back, without a doubt. They're extremely dependent offensively on Lamar Jackson. But the defense is doing a good job. I I think since they got Roquan Smith, it has really been just in the upper echelons of defenses. I'm not saying top 10, but they've been around that average tier. They were a a little bit below average, decently below average. Before they got Roquan Smith, they brought him in, and ever since then, they've been average. But the problem there has been the run defense hasn't been overly good. And, yeah, the passing defense hasn't been too good either. But at least the running defense showed something here. You know, if they could be good enough at either run defense or pass defense and prevent teams from coming at them knowing, oh, yeah, we'll be able to throw on them, we'll be able to pass on them. If they could eliminate one of those options, I have a lot more confidence in this Ravens team. I do. Now, not a lot of confidence, but I have more than I did originally. This was a good showing from this Ravens defense, especially their run defense, like I said. Although I just want to see it against some of the better teams. Now, that Vikings game against the Giants, that was a really good game to watch. It was a fun game. You know, it came down to the wire, came down to a game-winning field goal. And, it, of course, it was a fun game to watch. It was interesting to watch a team that consistently wins close games play against a team that keeps all games close. It was very fun to watch. But, of course, the team that wins all these close games, the Vikings, ended up coming out on top. It wasn't surprising at all to me. But a big reason the Vikings won this game was because of TJ Hawkinson. All right. I said last week that KJ Osborne is a real X factor for this team. And now I would like to say they have another X factor. His name's TJ Hawkinson. He could be that reliable guy for them, and he's going to be a reliable guy. But on top of just being like a good player he could consistently rely on, he could be a playmaker for them. That's what they need, right? They got the reliable option in, well, of course, Jay Jettas, but then also they have a reliable guy in Adam Thielen. They don't need another Mr. Consistent. They need another playmaker for when teams stop Justin Jefferson, and TJ Hawkinson is that guy. He can make the big plays. Oh, I'm covered? It's fine. Just throw it up. TJ Hawkinson is a good enough tight end to make that play. Right? It's one thing to have one game-changing weapon like Justin Jefferson. It's another thing to have another player like TJ Hawkinson that can also make big plays. And then I talked last week, KJ Osborne is a very good player, a very good role player, and so is Adam Thielen. This offense, there's just so many ways they could beat you, and I didn't even mention Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison. They probably have the most wide variety of weapons in the entire NFL, offensively. I mean, it, it really helps Kirk Cousins to know he has these this many guys at his disposal, right? And, yeah, it didn't help that the Giants' linebackers aren't good, right? Their linebacker core has been a weak spot all year. But the fact that they're able to take advantage of that to this level, it's going to be able to help them in the playoffs, right? When they get into the playoffs and they're playing against a team like, you know, the Buccaneers that don't have the best coverage linebackers, really. Devin White hasn't been very good in coverage. TJ Hawkinson is going to be able to take advantage of that, right? I mean, it won't be able to help him much against the 49ers. But playing against the Eagles, you know, that's something you can kind of take advantage. Not too much, because your White's pretty solid, but... Still, I'm not expecting like a 100-yard performance out of him consistently, but I do think that he's a very valuable player for this team, just another option. TJ Hawkinson, a great weapon that really helped them win this game. Now, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. We all know Josh Allen, incredible player, super talented. At one point, we were all talking about him as the MVP. Then he went down with an injury, uh, came back, and he was just a little bit rusty after that. 
I said last week, hey, it looked pretty good. But now, Josh Allen, he's still very good, and he could make some very good plays. But in this Bears game, he showed, he displayed some of the mistakes that are going to knock them out of the playoffs, all right? As good as Josh Allen is, he's going to have some bad plays sometimes. And there's just some really bad picks that he needs to clean up. If he goes into the playoffs and has one of the interceptions that he threw against Chicago, and he had a couple of bad plays in this, if he throws a single one of those balls, that's game-changing play. That changes the momentum completely. You could get away with it against Chicago. If you're playing the Chiefs, if you're playing the Bengals and that happens, not going to work. He just misses guys sometimes. He does. It's an overthrow and it lands right in the defender's hands. You can't have that happen. Complete momentum shift. You can't allow that to happen in the AFC playoffs. Especially if you're supposed to be like that game-changing player. Josh Allen, I I still think he is a game-changer. Don't get me wrong. But these mistakes, I don't want to see them. They They can really, really hurt them. Without a doubt. And they'll hurt this entire Bills team. Those two picks, I mean, both of them were really bad. The Panthers had a historic, or at one point it was on pace to be a historic rushing performance against the Detroit Lions. I said the Panthers were going to win this game because of this exact reason. The Panthers really like to run the ball. They're very good at it, and Detroit isn't very good at defending the run. All right, just that simple. And Carolina took what I said, and they ran with it, literally. I knew Carolina could run the ball well, especially in a matchup like this. I didn't think it would be this good. Oh, my God, it was fascinating, amazing. It was an electric performance. Both Chuba Hubbard and Dante Foreman had amazing games running the ball, and Sam Darnold looked pretty solid, too. This Panthers team, I really like them for next year. I do. And, hey, maybe they make the playoffs, and I do think that they're a team that could sneak out of that first round, beat a team that's probably better than them because they have a good defense. I really like that defensive unit, and they're running the ball so well and passing it well enough to complement that run game. I mean, they could beat. They could sneak away with a win against another good team. If the other team underestimates them, I could see them winning. I would like the playoffs much more if they make it instead of the Buccaneers. I would. Okay. I don't love Sam Darnold, but he's been playing well this year, without a doubt. Like I said, that running game is so good. So good. And I know that they did it against Detroit, but still, a historic rushing performance is a historic rushing performance. I know that they didn't look too well, too good against the Steelers, but come on. Let's give them their credit. They did a really good job running the ball here. And, yeah, the Lions need to fix that rushing defense. They do, without a doubt. If they want to win a game in the playoffs, they're going to have to fix that. Malik Willis isn't ready at all yet. I still like what Malik Willis has the tools to be able to do. I think that he could be an amazing quarterback in the future, in the, like, far future, not within the next, like, three years. He looks really bad at the moment. I mean, yikes, it's horrendous. He was 14 for 23 with 99 yards and two interceptions in this game. One of those interceptions was on a Hail Mary to end the game. But still, he looked really bad, and he hasn't looked good since he came in for Tannehill. I mean, we all knew he was a raw prospect, without a doubt. And I wouldn't say this performance is surprising me. But, hey, you know, if Tennessee has a third-string guy they want to put in, I don't think it would be the worst idea. Okay? Malik Willis, he has a lot of talent. He's a very good runner. And I really like what he's able to do throwing the ball. I think he's a very good thrower of the football and all that, without a doubt. And 
I, I've been saying repeatedly in terms of physical talent, he's one of the best in the league. I do think that. I think he's one of the most physically talented, physically gifted quarterbacks in the entire NFL. But putting Joshua Dobbs in for him, you know, Joshua Dobbs, he's a bit of a veteran. Not a bit. He's a veteran. He's been in the league for a long time. Doesn't seem like too bad of an idea. Right? I mean, they could get a playoff spot. He's not getting much help from his receivers, in all fairness, Malik Willis. He His receivers are not very good. But still, this is a team that could make the playoffs. And I know Mike, Mike Vrabel wants them to make the playoffs, especially after being the one seed last year. It would be embarrassing for them not to make it this year. You know, if they want to save that playoff run, if they want to save their team, put in Joshua Dobbs. I don't think it's too bad of an idea. Because although I like Malik Willis a lot, I don't think he's ready yet. Now, the Patriots game. Against the Bengals. The Bengals had a very stable lead at that point, and then they just stopped scoring. I don't know why, but they just completely stopped scoring. They were just unable to. That Marcus Jones pick six changed the game. It did. The entire momentum shifted. And I do want to say this. In the second half of that game, Mac Jones, he showed... He is not hopeless in that second half. He did. He had some good throws. You know, he went through his reads. He wasn't just dumping the ball off repeatedly. He wasn't averaging 4.3 yards per attempt like last week. He was chucking it downfield. He threw it to the open receivers. He wasn't turning the ball over. He was doing a good job. And this is the Mac Jones we expected to see. After a very impressive showing in his rookie year, we were expecting this Mac Jones. We want to see him more consistently. Maybe getting rid of Matt Patricia could help them do that. Uh, I mean, it most likely will. But Mac Jones hasn't played well this year. I'm just going to keep it a buck with you. He has not played well this year. At least this shows they shouldn't completely move on to him. You know, they probably wouldn't have because he was a first-round pick. But at least now they have more closure. Now they have more reasoning. Now they have a reason on film from this year of him being a good quarterback, being a quarterback worth the playing time he's getting for a very prestigious organization like the New England Patriots. Now, let's talk about the 49ers. I know all my takeaways have been based off Brock Purdy ever since he came in. I know that. And I'm hoping this is the last one. Last week, I said that I think the 49ers are still a legit Super Bowl team with Brock Purdy in. And now, I'm going to say, Purdy finally proved he could do this against a good defense. The Washington Commanders have a good defense. Very good. And Purdy was still wheeling and dealing. Purdy was still throwing it to his talented playmakers, and they were making plays. That's what you love to see. Okay? The fact that he was able to do this against good def- against a good defense like the Washington Commanders, who have a very, very good defensive front, getting his face constantly. The fact he was still able to perform well tells you, like, He's legit. He is legit. This team is legit with him at the helm. He's not the most talented guy, okay? But he throws the ball accurately. He doesn't turn the ball over. Throws it in the right spot. He doesn't take too many sacks. And he's willing to throw it under pressure, which really showed in this game. I mean, there were a couple of times where the defenders got on his face and he just didn't care. Great performance. Great performance by Brock Purdy here. Now, this Dallas versus Philadelphia game. This was a good one. This was a very good one. And, you know, I've been bashing the Cowboys a lot recently. Now I think it's time for me to give them their respect. 
Dallas offense. They did a damn good job here. They did. 419 yards of total offense. Not much on the ground, but still good job by the Cowboys against a good, very good Philadelphia defense. Now, the Cowboys defense isn't looking too good. Although they did make some big plays to force turnovers. But, which give them their credit, the Cowboys offense looked really good. They have a they had a very good day against one of the best defenses in the entire NFL. Dak Prescott did a very good job today. Although he did have that very bad pick six early in the game. Still, he had a great game today. Against, like I said, a very, very good defense. A very good secondary. Really impressive showing. Really impressive. I know I've been dissing the Cowboys a lot, but they really do deserve this credit here. They, I thought that they would lose this game, even with Gardner Minshew playing. I know. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, they just beat a backup quarterback. So what? Gardner Minshew is better than every backup in the NFL. He's the best backup quarterback in the NFL, and he played well in this game. His turnovers were just good defensive plays by the Cowboys. And even if they lost this game, if they still put up 40 points like this, I would be saying the same thing. The Cowboys' offense looked amazing in this game. They deserve a lot of credit here. My takeaway for the Steelers is pretty much the same as last week's, I believe. The Steelers' run defense looked very good. Josh Jacobs, who is one of the best running backs in the entire NFL, especially statistically, only had 44 yards on 14 carries. Phenomenal job by Cameron Hayward and the defensive line to stop him. And I mean, they needed it. If they let Josh Allen have a game like he did against Seattle, they lose. I mean, they barely won even while they were holding one of the league's best running backs below 50 yards. Okay? I mean, the Steelers' run defense, their their pride is, oh, you know, we play physical football, we'll stop you from running the ball, yada, yada. Our defense is very physical. We don't want you running it. And they stay true to it. They did a really good job stopping the run. Josh McDaniels might be getting fired. And it's going to be because he can't rely on Josh Jacobs like he always has been, right? You notice something. When the Raiders win, for the most part, it's because Josh Jacobs does amazing, does a great job running well. When he doesn't, then Josh McDaniels needs to scheme up a good pass play, and they don't really do it. Can't really execute it well enough, and, well, they lose. Raiders were horrendous in this game at least offensively. And it was because their offense relies heavily on Josh Jacobs. And you can't really blame them because Josh Jacobs, like I said, is one of the league's best running backs. So when you're able to stop one of the league's best running backs on one of the league's best rushing attacks, you deserve a lot of credit. So Pittsburgh Steelers on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception doing a great job stopping a great running back. Let's talk about Tua, right? He isn't playing this week against the Patriots. And with how he's been playing as of late, I don't think it's going to hurt them that much. going to be honest. I don't mean to kick a man while he's down, and I like Tua a lot. But to put it simply, Tua is on a cold streak at the moment. During this losing streak that the Dolphins have had, Tua has a 52.6 completion percentage, 984 yards, six touchdowns, and five interceptions. Not what you want to see. Not at all. So, although I think Tua has a great career in front of him as a franchise quarterback who does a very good job timing his throws, I do think his inability to perform when things go south leaves much to be desired, and that's a big reason that the Dolphins are on this losing streak. It showed in this game. I mean, he missed some throws here. He did. 
because he anticipated the receivers to be in some spots where they weren't. And sometimes it was just straight up a missed throw, right? I, I mean, he turned the ball over three times in this game against Green Bay, and all of them were his fault. One of them, he just straight up didn't see Devondre Campbell. Another one, he overthrew, I believe it was Tyreek Hill going across the middle. And then the other one lost them the game when they were having a good, a pretty good drive. Their last chance to win it, Tua throws a pick, and it's a really bad one, much like the other two. I mean, this was the Dolphins game to lose, really. Everyone was going into it thinking that because the Dolphins are a really good team and the Packers haven't been good defensively, right? Well, they're going to do well when you throw the ball right to three of their defenders. Really bad showing by Tua, and because of that, the Dolphins' offense couldn't perform well enough to beat the Packers' team that isn't overly good, although I guess they're a bit hot at the moment. They're not very good. Dolphins, you might find yourself getting knocked out of the playoffs because of performances just like this. Really bad showing by Tua, and because of that, the Dolphins' offense couldn't put away a not overly great Packers team. That Rams game against the Broncos was probably the worst game of the year. I mean, you have a Broncos team that has been not just a bad football team, but they've been extremely boring to watch because their defense is so damn good, right? But their offense is horrendous. Oh, my God, it's terrible to watch. And the Rams are another team that hasn't been fun to watch all year. And it's mainly because of injuries, not their fault. They're also not that good. But when bad meets bad, but one bad team shuts out the other bad team, those are the worst football games to watch. I'm sorry, those are those are terrible to watch. It's like the Bears game against the Giants last year. Two bad teams, but one team is an absolute embarrassment. Meanwhile, the other one is just pretty bad. That was the worst game to watch all, all season. That was my least favorite game. And it was on Christmas, so at least it was easy to ignore, I guess. But I think the difference in this game, despite the Rams being injured to hell and back, the Broncos still lost. And you want to know? You want to know why? Because the difference between these two bad teams are that one of them has a very good head coach, the other one has Nathaniel Hackett, who just got fired. That was the difference. If not for Sean McVay, that game, instead of being fifty-one to what ten, I believe. Instead of that being the final score, the final score would have been 9-6, to 9-10. to 10. I don't know. It would have been really bad, really bad to watch. It would have been like 16-14. to 14. It would have just been horrendous, and it still was horrendous. But it was two bad football teams. Well, one is coached well enough to not make the stupid mistakes that the other team is making. And the Broncos' defense just gave up a little bit uh, earlier in the year. I think after they noticed how shitty the offense was, they were just like, you know what? Our defense has been one of the best in the league. There's no point in continuing to put our heart and souls out there for offense is going to suck this much. And I think it shows. It does. So much fighting on that sideline. They were a horrendously coached team. Finally, Hackett's gone, and I still have low, low expectations for this team for the rest of the year. Now, let's talk about that Cardinals game. Listen. Okay. The Buccaneers, right? Their defense is a good unit. But... You wouldn't think that they would be able to absolutely put D-Hop in a box, okay? And I don't imagine that Cliff Kingsbury expected that either. And it shows in their scheme. They were just throwing it to DeAndre Hopkins over and over and over again just for him to have one catch. 
he had 10 targets and one catch. You know, once you get to seven, six, five targets with one catch, keep in mind the one catch was a screen pass. Maybe that's when you're like, you know what? Maybe D-Hop just isn't hot today. Maybe they focused a lot on D-Hop. Let's do something and take advantage of that. You know, you would expect that. But nope, Cliff Kingsbury, it's Cliff Kingsbury, so. Yeah. They just kept feeding him, kept trying to force it to him, and it never worked, ever. And the Cardinals' over-dependence on DeAndre Hopkins is just another reason that Cliff Kingsbury should get fired. Just another reason. If you need to chuck the ball to DeAndre Hopkins constantly to win, you're not a good coach. You're an NFL team. You have other NFL players. Okay. They should have been able to throw it to other players. You know, Trey McBride, right? He was a pretty good tight end in college. Why the hell is he never getting the ball? I know Colt McCoy's out there. I know you want to help him by throwing the ball to your superstar receiver, but sometimes that just isn't going to work. Cliff Kingsbury should have been able to adjust to the fact the Buccaneers were just locking up DeAndre Hopkins. It's not like he was constantly one-on-one. They would just, oh, we, we're going to run too high, but one of the safeties are basically just going to be locked right on DeAndre. We're going to run man and lock on double coverage DeAndre Hopkins. Why the hell would you keep throwing him the ball? It makes no sense to me. Do something to take advantage of how focused the defense is on him. That's what a smart coach does. But no, Kingsbury is one of the worst coaches in the league. I have no idea how he got an extension through 2027. It fascinates me. And for my last takeaway, we know the Colts' offensive line is bad, and, well, it continued to be bad in this game against the Chargers. They allowed seven sacks. Keep in mind the Chargers don't have Joey Bosa. Yikes. Jesus. I, it was it was a horrendous showing by them. Nick Foles was getting feasted on all game. And, hey, Nick Foles wasn't playing well either, in all fairness, but... The offensive line couldn't protect their quarterback at all. And that led to him getting sacked seven times, which is horrible. Jeff Saturday is a former offensive lineman. There is no reason your O-line should look that bad. They have the worst O-line in the league, and frankly, it isn't even close. It's horrendous. The Colts are a bad team with an even worse offensive line. Terrible showing by them. Downright terrible. This is a team that doesn't even have their number one edge rusher, their best edge rusher, their superstar Joey Bosa. They still have a Khalil Mack, I guess, but no reason, no reason for you to let your quarterback get feasting on like that. This was also not a very good game. This Colts game. Justin Herbert didn't even play overly well. They still put up 20 points. I mean... Foles played horrible, and the offensive line played worse. The Colts look hopeless at the moment. They really do. Hopefully they get a new coach. Maybe it's Sean Payton, right? A lot of people are talking about that. Maybe they bounce back next week. I'll talk about that game against the Giants right after the break. And we are back. You're listening to the Goal Line Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Seifer, and we are going to go over each game of Week 17 starting with the Thursday night game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans. This one won't be close. I'm sorry. Dallas got a win last week against arguably the best team in the NFL, even though they were led by a backup quarterback. Still, it was a big achievement for them. The Tennessee Titans are banged up at the moment. Their star player, Derrick Henry, is currently limited in practice. I went over in my takeaways. The person playing quarterback for them right now isn't ready to be in the NFL yet. Isn't ready to be playing in the NFL, at least. Their receiver course sucks, and it's even worse because Traylon Burks is out. I mean, how could you possibly think Tennessee wins this game? I'm really curious, right? 
you look at it, nothing is going Tennessee's way in this game. It should be a blowout. It really should. I like Tennessee's defense enough for the Cowboys to not be able to drop like 40 on them per se. But then again, they dropped 40 against one of the league's better defenses in Philly. So I really struggle to pick this game for the Titans. I really do. This is an easy Cowboys win for me. I really don't know how you could argue the contrary. Cardinals against the Falcons. The Falcons have been a pesky team all year. The Cardinals, to say the least, they don't. Right? I I don't like much about the Cardinals. I don't, especially with Colt McCoy in. There is stuff to like about the Atlanta Falcons. Like the running game. The problem that I do see here is J.J. Watt had a very good game last week. And I think it's clear that him knowing that this is going to be one of his last games, I mean, it showed in that game last week, right? J.J. Watt is fired up at the moment because, you know, it's his last hurrah, right? He's been fired up. He's been playing good football, especially last week, like I said. So, I almost want to say Cardinals because I think J.J. Watt is going to single-handedly shut down this Falcons run game. But I'm not confident enough in a old guy like J.J. Watt, who's still a very good run defender, I'm not confident in his ability to single-handedly shut down a team's running game anymore. At least one of the better running games, like Atlanta. I think it could be a close one, a low-scoring game. I'm taking Atlanta, though. The Cardinals should be able to do a decent amount offensively. Maybe maybe it won't be too low-scoring, but I'm probably expecting like a 23-20 score in Atlanta's favor. I am. I think they're going to be able to do enough on the ground and then, or I think they're going to be able to do a lot on the ground and then enough passing it to win this game. And I don't have a lot of confidence in Colt McCoy and the Cardinals. I don't. So give me the Falcons. And they're the home team too. Panthers at Buccaneers. Now, I know it's easy to say, oh, Tom Brady, you know, he, he's not going to miss the playoffs. That's not what he's about. It might be his last season, considering he came back from retirement. He's not going to come back from retirement just to miss the playoffs. Well, the thing you have to understand is that the Bucks haven't been very good this year. Their defense is good, but their offense hasn't – they haven't won a game because of their offense all year. Okay? It's really that simple. Whenever they win, it's because their defense holds the opposing team below 20. The Buccaneers' offense hasn't been good enough, okay? And I think the Panthers can just avoid turnovers, slowly get up the field. They have a good running game, and they have a solid passing game to pair with it. So I think they're going to score enough. Not a lot, but I think they're going to score enough for the Buccaneers to not be able to catch up, okay? Now... This also heavily relies on Sam Darnold continuing to play how he's been, and I really do think that I'm walking on thin ice by saying that because it's Sam Darnold. I feel like any moment he could just collapse and go back to the Sam Arnold, Sam Darnold we all know. But until I see that, I'm not going to bank on it. Sam Darnold and the Panthers, I'm expecting them to win this game in Tampa. Uh, this is going to be such an important game, too. It really should be a primetime game. I wish they flexed it. Bears at Lions. The Lions have a lot to lose here. The Bears have nothing to gain, but I'm still picking the Bears. I am, and I'm sorry, Detroit fans. I know you don't want to hear that. I know you don't want your team missing the playoffs again, but Chicago has a good run game, okay? And what did what aspect of Detroit was exposed to death last week that led to them losing the game? Their poor run defense. 
I'm sorry. That's just that just looks like how it's going to play out. I think the Bears are just going to run over them. I'm expecting a high-scoring game here. Don't get me wrong. But I have very little confidence in Detroit's rushing defense, and that's going to lead to the Bears winning this game. I, I think even though the Bears don't have much to gain, I think that they're just going to fight just to get their division rival knocked out. The Bears are playing for pride at this point. That's undeniable, and Bears fans probably don't even want Chicago winning this game because they want the first overall pick. And with the Texans winning last week, they're closer to getting it. But the thing you have to keep in mind is Matt Eberflus, he's... Coaches in the NFL, for the most part, don't actively try and lose games. Okay? It's just not what happens. Every win from Eberflus and the Bears' perspective is a reason for them to keep their job. Okay? Teams, NFL teams want to win games. Whether that lowers their draft picks, they really, for the most part, they really don't care. They want to be the pride of their town. All right. They want to give fans a reason to be optimistic. And beating Detroit, beating a division rival, whether that gets them further away from the first overall pick, is just a plus for this Bears team, for Matt Eberflus. That's how they look at it. And I know that sucks for some Bears fans to say and to hear. But I really don't – I really like this matchup for Chicago. I don't think Eberflus and the Bears are going to let it go to waste. I think they want to win this game. Although Detroit has way more on the line, I think the Bears are going to win it because they match up well. And they, they've they been fighting. Browns at Commanders. I'm taking the Commanders here. The commander's defense has been very good, especially that defensive front. So Nick Chubb probably won't have a very good game. And he hasn't had a very good game in a while. And on top of that, Deshaun Watson, he hasn't been performing that well. I don't think that they're going to be able to put enough points up. The commander's offense isn't great, but it'll get the job done because the commander's defense is going to prevent the Browns from scoring too much. And I have the Commanders winning it. I, I think it's just that simple. The Commanders defense is better than the Browns offense by so much. It doesn't really matter if the Commanders don't score much. Broncos at Chiefs. This is an easy Chiefs win. I'm sorry. There's no elaboration needed here. Although, interim coaches do have a habit to get upsets in their first week. Okay? So, I don't think each irrational to pick the Broncos, okay? So I know I said no further elaboration, but then I remembered that, that specific statistic. Interim coaches win a lot their first week. I almost want to pick the Broncos just because of that, but I feel like just sense of reason I'm picking the Chiefs, okay? The Chiefs are just so much better. Andy Reid is a very good head coach. I don't think he's going to let himself not be prepared for whatever the Broncos throw at him. So I'm picking the Chiefs, okay? I wouldn't be overly surprised to see Denver win it, though, is the crazy thing. Colts at Giants. Kayvon Thibodeau and that defensive line are going to feast. All right? It's just that simple. The Colts offensive line has been horrendous. Nick Foles at quarterback. He hasn't exactly been avoiding the sacks. The Colts' offense hasn't been good. And if you want to beat the Giants, you got to be able to score, okay? The Giants aren't going to win a shootout. But they are going to prevent other teams from scoring. If you're a team that already struggles on the offensive side of the ball because you're shooting yourselves in the foot, you're not beating the Giants. Okay? So I'm picking the Giants here. I feel like this is an easy one, and the Giants shouldn't blow this opportunity because if they do lose this game, then they get knocked out of the playoffs. Or they could beat the 
Eagles, but I struggle to think that they can beat the Eagles even if the Eagles bench their starters. Okay, because I get it. Oh, they're benching their starters. How do you expect the Giants to lose that game? The Giants are without their starters too because the Giants are just banged up. So I think that this is a must-win game for the Giants, okay? Because I'm not overly confident in their ability to beat the Eagles. I'm not. I don't think that's a gimme. This is a gimme. Don't blow it. Jaguars at Texans. Jaguars here easily. The Texans have, although they won last week, and they've been, they've been a pesky team, much like I said Atlanta was. I like to imagine that Jacksonville just gets the job done. They know how much is on the line. They know they need to win out. This is a game that they should be able to win, even though if they have to fight a bit because the Texans, you know, they've been fighting. I got to go with Jacksonville. I do. I, I find it hard to pick the Texans just because, oh, they've been keeping it close with other teams. They beat the Titans, but the Titans are frauds. The Jaguars are a legit good team. So I, I'm going Jacksonville. I am. I don't think Doug Peterson is going to let a team like the Texans beat them. And jeopardize this potential playoff run. No, I don't think they're going to let that happen. Dolphins at Patriots. So this is going to be a good game, an important game too. Between two teams fighting for a playoff spot with each other. Destiny in their own hands. Both If the Dolphins win, their chances of the playoffs go way up. If the Patriots win, their chances of making the playoffs also goes way up. So this is a very important game for both of these teams. I'm picking... I'm picking the Dolphins. I am. I struggle to look at Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and how explosive that offense is, even without Tua. I struggle to look at that and say that the Patriots can stop them. I, I do. They, Their secondary, it's disciplined, right? Like all Patriots secondaries are. Belichick does a great job coaching up the secondary. But, I mean, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, they're just different animals, okay? Now, last time the Dolphins played against the Patriots, this was with a healthy Tua. The Dolphins only scored 20 points, but the problem was the Patriots only scored seven. Patriots offense sucks, okay? And if they want to beat the Dolphins this week, they got to be able to stop the Dolphins' offense. They got to be able to take advantage of the fact that they don't have their starting quarterback in. And I, when I say take advantage, I don't just mean, oh, hold them to, you know, 24. No, 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 no. The Patriots' offense can't get 24. The Patriots' offense is horrible, horrendous, terrible unit, okay? The Patriots' defense is going to have to play out of its mind in order to win this game. The Dolphins have a solid defensive unit. They're going to blitz a lot. They're going to get in Mac Jones' face. And they don't have the talent to be like, oh, yeah, you know, you're blitzing a lot, so we're going to have one-on-ones, and we're just going to throw it up to our very good receiver. We're just going to trust our very good receivers to beat you one-on-one. No, because they're very good receivers. They don't exist. The Patriots receiver core is ass, okay? Just keeping it simple with you. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it. The Patriots receiver core isn't good. They don't have the weapons to... Be like, oh, yeah, you're leaving our receivers. You're leaving our tight end one-on-one by blitzing that much. We're just going to take advantage and pick you apart. No. The Dolphins are going to blitz a lot like they've been doing all year. And despite all the corners being one-on-one with the opposing receiver, their receivers won't be able to get open anyway because their receivers aren't good. The Patriots' complete lack of of offensive talent is not gonna it's really gonna hurt them here and like I said they're gonna have to focus a lot on stopping Tyreek Hill okay they did it earlier in the year Tyreek Hill didn't absolutely slaughter them earlier in the year and neither did Jalen Waddle right last time that they played Jalen Waddle had 69 receiving yards and Tyreek Hill had 94 which yeah that's a lot but honestly, I think that they could win if, Ty- if Tyreek Hill only has 94 receiving yards. They, they just need to do more 
on the offensive side of the ball, right? Listen, if they could repeat how the defense played against the Dolphins earlier in the year in week two, I would be stoked. Problem is, I don't have any confidence in this Patriots offense. And because of that, they're going to need to play better than they did in week two. And I don't think that they could do that. So I'm going with the Dolphins, even with Teddy Bridgewater in. Saints had Eagles. Easy Eagles here. I mean, even with Minshew. And Minshew's a very good quarterback. He played well in that game. The two turnovers he had were just good plays on the defensive side of the ball by the Cowboys. I I picked Eagles here easily. New York Jets against Seattle Seahawks. The Jets have Mike White back. And the Seahawks haven't been too great as of late. And I know these are two teams still just trying to fight into playoffs. So it's not like the Seahawks, you know, it's not like their season out the window. But I do think their best football is behind them. Meanwhile, the Jets are with Mike White coming back. That brings back a spark to this team they had earlier in the year when they were looking very good. So I'm picking the Jets. 49ers versus the Jarrett Stidham-led Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas. I'm picking the 49ers. I really have no reason not to. Stidham is going to get picked off two or three times in this game. The 49ers defense is an absolute unit, and I don't trust Jarrett Stidham to be able to beat them. Okay, and then, of course, 49ers offense is just tremendous. They're going to pick apart a weak Las Vegas defense, this is an easy one for me. I really do think that. Rams at Chargers, this could be a toughie. I could understand the Sean McVay win here because Sean McVay is playing against his former defensive coordinator, who's now the head coach, Brandon Staley. He knows the ins and outs of the scheme, but I guess Staley also knows the ins and outs of the Sean McVay offense. So I'm going Chargers here. It's really going to come down to coaching. I do think that. Chargers beat them in talent, but the the Rams haven't, like, given up, right? The Rams, on average, have done a better job coaching them, and I do think if Sean McVay outcoaches Brandon Staley, Sean McVay will win this game, even though the Chargers have way more talent. But I think if McVay, you know, doesn't call a perfect game, right? Baker makes a couple mistakes. Chargers win it. I'm expecting the Chargers to win it, realistically, just because they have the talent advantage. But I do think if the Rams win, it's going to be because McVay outcoaches Staley, his former disciple. Vikings at Packers. I'm picking the Vikings here. Let's not overrate the Packers just because they beat a Dolphins team that hasn't looked too good as of late. I mean, I pick the Vikings here pretty easily. I do. I don't even think twice about it. Maybe the Packers keep it close, but you can't beat the Vikings in a close game. If you want to beat the Vikings, you have to run away with the lead early. I do not think the Packers are good enough on the offensive side of the ball to do that at all. Steelers at Ravens. If Lamar Jackson's back, I'm picking the Ravens. If he isn't, I'm picking the Steelers. Because the Steelers can't score a lot. But without Lamar Jackson, the Ravens can't score a lot. If Lamar Jackson comes back, though, he could single-handedly carry them to a win. Because the Steelers' offense is not good. And the Ravens' defense hasn't looked too bad as of late. If the Ravens could get a solid 27 points, I don't expect the Steelers to win. If they can't, Steelers win this game. And I don't think the Ravens are going to get 27 points with Tyler Huntley in. They need Lamar Jackson to bail them out. That's how that offense works. That's how it's built. Buffalo Bills at Cincinnati Bengals. This is going to be a really, really good game. The Bengals are the home team, though. And the Bengals have been prone to less mistakes. I think Josh Allen makes a mistake, one single mistake, and that's going to be the deciding factor in this game. It's going to be about which team can force more turnovers. The Bengals have been good at forcing turnovers. The Bills have been a little bit turnover prone 
especially in that Chicago game. So, I feel like Bengals are the right pick. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Goal Line Podcast. If you want more content, check out No Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram. That is No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces. I'll see you all next week.